Well, good morning. My name is Tim, Tim Shorey, one of the pastors here at the Risen Hope Church. Um, and our morning together is going to be somewhat different than the norm. Is this too loud? I'm hearing, is it not? Okay. They're coming at you there. All right. uh, hopefully that'll get adjusted a bit. Our, our morning together is going to be uh, somewhat different than normal uh, as this is a day of celebration as we uh, formally ordain into pastoral ministry our friend and our brother Dave Esternell. And so uh, we are glad you are here and I notice a number of uh, unfamiliar faces and guests that are with us today, and we want to just extend to you a very special welcome. Uh, and in fact, our ushers have a little packet of information. If you would raise your hand, if this is your first time here, if you would raise your hand, our ushers will look for you and just give you a little packet of information uh, that you can take home with you. Anyone here for the first time? Okay. wonderful to have you with us, and uh, we trust that you will be blessed by our time together this morning. And there is inside of that packet of information a little guest card. If you'd be kind enough to fill that out and uh, maybe put it in the offering box that's on the door as you leave a little while later, that would be wonderful. Children are going to be staying with us this morning as we're having a very special moment of, uh, as a church family, we want the children to enjoy uh, this moment. Uh, and uh, in order to make sure that we have time for uh, a number of different things today, we are not going to have any announcements. Uh, all the announcements will, are in your program uh, and directions you need. If there's any uh, questions you have there, please feel free to uh, let us know and uh, we can fill you in on the, on the details. As we worship the Lord in this moment in, uh, in our giving, in our tithes and offerings, just want you to be aware of how you can give. You can uh, give online at risenhopechurch.org. Just click the links there and uh, give, or you can put your offering in the box uh, as you go out the door, uh, or you can send your offering to Risen Hope Church at 1001 Washington Avenue here in Prospect Park. Um, giving is a, a, a part of, a dimension of our worship. Giving is not just what needs to be done so that uh, a church can function, but you no know, giving is an expression of our gratitude and our heart and our praise to God who has given us everything we have and entrusted it to us. Uh, and so uh, we want to pray uh, that the Lord would bless the offering and bless those who give generously. So let's bow in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for the special moment that this is for us in our life as a church. Thank you, Lord, for giving gifts to your church, gifted men and women. Thank you for all the various gifts that are represented, the abilities, the ministries, the, uh, the serving, all the different ways, Lord, that... Um, you have equipped people to proclaim your word, to love one another, to serve those in need. Lord, we are blessed as a church, and we praise you and honor you. And one way, Lord, we express that praise and express that honor uh, is in the giving of our tithes and offerings. Lord, this is something in which we all share. We are all uh, provided for by your hand. We are all blessed by your hand. And through your blessing, uh, Lord, we have the privilege to, to give to you. So would you please receive our offering? And Father, would you please bless the giver and the gift as well uh, for your praise and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 
Well, as we proceed this morning, let me give a little bit of context uh, for this happy moment in our life as a church. As I have said, we come uh, this morning very joyfully, very reverently, uh, in the fear of God, but in the joy of the Lord, to ordain and install David Esternell as a pastor in Risen Hope Church. We believe that all believers are equally called to serve Christ. We believe that, uh, that God gives to everyone uh, different gifts, different abilities to serve, but He doesn't give everyone the same gifts. There are within the life of the church some who are called, who are gifted, who are qualified to pastor or shepherd churches uh, in the Word of God, in the will of God, in the mission of God, in the gospel. And this is our moment uh, this morning to observe such a calling and such a gifting from the Lord. It is good that we do this. It is good that we set aside time for this. Uh, it's good that we do this because, well, in Scripture it is done when there are those who are called to ministry and commissioned to gospel work. There is a pausing. There is, a, well, first of all, a preparing, and then a testing, and then an approving, and then a public laying on of hands that, that sets a man apart for gospel ministry. So it is good that we do this, for the Scriptures do this kind of thing. There's also value in this in publicly ordaining Dave in that it reminds us of what the Apostle Paul says, that if anyone desires the office of an overseer, of a pastor, he desires a good thing, a noble work. This is a moment to honor a gifted man. This is a moment to publicly uh, praise God for the desire that He has put in our brother's heart to serve and to lay his life down for the church. And in this moment, it is good that we do this because it affirms this reality that in the words of Ephesians chapter 4, the risen Christ gives gifts to the church. He, in His love for us, knows what we need, and, and He knows how to gift and call and qualify people to serve in the church, and He has given Dave to us, and He has given Dave and Christine to us. Together they serve, and Dave is a gift to us, and we want to honor that. We want to praise God for that. We want to celebrate that uh, together today. And so what we're going to do in these next moments together is we're going we're to hear from Christine, uh, and then uh, we're going to let him, her uh, kind of share with us kind of an inside scoop on uh, what she sees in Dave uh, that has only served to affirm and confirm what we have seen in Dave and then we're going to introduce a special guest uh, who is going to have a word of encouragement and lead Dave into his vows of ordination. And then there will be more to follow after that. And so let's begin uh, by inviting Christine up and um, let's uh, greet her and express our appreciation for her. I might describe Dave as a man who lives by the book, so to speak. He has always been well-mannered and respectful. He is a man of principle. His moral character is solid. He stands at the ready to be helpful and eager to serve. His yes is a yes, and he fulfills obligations without grumbling. He seeks out the counsel of others and follows advice. 
All this has been true since the time we met 16 years ago. In the time since then, it has become clear this motivation to live by the book is literally inspired by the word of God. Steadfast in his faith, Dave's disposition is based on Christ-like qualities and a desire to please the Lord. In our life together, Dave leads well. He models scripture often in practical ways. He uses discernment in our discussions and decision-making. He points me to Christ when life is disrupted. He showers me with the word, sharing verses and insights, even theology. Books are ever-present and open. And when the Spirit moves him, he sits at the piano and sings hymns and spiritual songs at the top of his lungs. On our anniversary, Dave started a tradition of reading our wedding vows to each other. He even made cards to keep in our wallet. When our marriage wavered a few years in, Dave sought pastoral counseling for himself first and then us as a couple. We followed direction and came out of those dark times that Dave now affectionately calls the Troubles with a capital T. Joyfully, our vows remain solid, still valid and applicable to our life together in Christ. When we bought our house in Springfield, Dave's vision was to use it and other, other resources for fellowship and gospel opportunities. The first part of the vision was fulfilled on day one when community group, family members, and other friends helped us move in. Since then, we have hosted many events, music, football, book clubs, holiday sing-alongs, all with the goal of mingling Christian hospitality with gospel truth. For the last six years, a big focus in our life has been hosting the bridge course in our home. Dave has provoked interest and commitment from dozens of folks to participate in this question and discussion-based course. It is through this ministry that Dave has leaned in and been able to affect change in people's lives stimulating further conversation and interest in the study of Christ. Through conscientious and persistent follow-up and encouraging care, Dave has been able to build meaningful relationships with many of the men and women he encounters. He has organized prayer groups for friends who have suffered from cancer. He comes alongside men as an accountability partner. He counsels friends in crisis, and he disciples men in the reading and understanding of God's word. He even helps people who move away from the area find good gospel preaching churches. These experiences have pointed to and inform Dave's call to ministry. And now, as Dave takes on the role of pastor, we will open a new and exciting chapter in our life together. He will embrace new responsibilities, and I will support him and encourage him and continue to serve alongside him. As circumstances change, I know Dave's faith in Christ and his love for God's word will remain steady. Through this transition, we are praying for the Holy Spirit to move in us and increase our capacity to love and serve with gladness of heart. Amen. Thank you, Christine. Wonderful. Wonderful. We are, for those who don't know, we are a part of a fellowship of churches called Sovereign Grace Churches, and uh, the ordination of men into pastoral ministry is very much a, a team effort uh, between both our denomination and our local church 
here. And so in a moment like this, we um, want to make sure that we have somebody here to represent uh, sovereign grace and to share a few words uh, with our brother. And uh, the, the one that we had come to mind first is Jim Donahue. Now, you, many, how many of you have seen any of the bridge course material? Just look around. That's probably at least half of the people in this room. Jim's the guy that put it together, all right? So we, we, we've got him with us today. And it just seemed so fitting to have Jim uh, uh, in part because he and Dave have worked together closely in different ways throughout the years, uh, as well as Jim is one of the pastors from Covenant Fellowship Church, our sending church, our kind of home church. So it's just entirely fitting that Jim be with us. So Jim, thank you for coming and being a part of this moment. And it's great to have you, brother. Oh my, what, what a joy uh, to be here with you all. And I bring first and foremost joyful greetings from your family at Covenant Fellowship. What, a, what an amazing building. This is the first time I'm here, so it's, it's just such a deep joy to see so many faces, and especially to be here uh, on behalf of Dave. Um, I was reading a quote this morning from Martin Lloyd-Jones, and this was just a, such a powerful quote. He said this, the meek man is not proud of himself. He does not in any sense glory in himself. He feels that there is nothing in himself of which he can boast. And as I thought about that verse, I thought of Dave Estranel. Dave, you are a meek man. You do not glory in yourself. And you are a humble man. And I really want to be like you when I grow up. <laughs> One of the things that I appreciate so much about Dave is the humble posture he takes. This man is a learner. He has asked me more questions about the bridge course than all of the people who've ever run the bridge course combined. And he does it in such a humble way. It was years before I realized that Dave was basically like a vice president CEO of some really important company. He was so humble, I, th I was like, what? How could this even possibly be? You wouldn't even know that because he's, he's meek. He doesn't draw attention to himself. And Dave, one of the things I'm so thankful for in your life is the love that you have for the lost, the care that you have for people who are far from God. When I think about your life and all that you've been through, all that you and Christine have been through, the, the, the winding road that has led in all kinds of areas I am so thankful for the way that you've trust in God. From the very beginning when Dave first came to Covenant Fellowship, when he came to the Lord, he has been a man that had to trust God in very difficult situations. And I believe that your experience with grace and with the love of Christ has enabled you to love so many people so well. I know of very few people that love people and reach out to people the way Dave has done. Your life has touched so many people. I have met so many people at Covenant Fellowship because of you, because they've been through the bridge course at your home with you and Christina, opening your home to so many millions of things. Thank you for showing us what it means to care for the lost. And I think because of all that you've been through, you're able to relate to people so well. You know the brokenness in this world, and you have brought the hope of Christ to so many. 
The other thing I'm so grateful for uh, as a pastor at Covenant Fellowship and Sovereign Grace is we need evangelists, men and women who not only reach the lost, but who provide examples and can help others to reach the lost. We don't have a lot of them. Dave Estranel is one of them, and I'm so grateful to God, Dave, for who you are, for your humility, your meekness, your love for the lost, and it's an honor and a privilege to count you as my friend. Dave, to express your commitment, yes, Dave, why don't you stand up? Yeah, Christine, you can stand next to him, and I'm going to read these vows to you, Dave. To express your commitment to Jesus Christ and to gospel ministry in love for the church of our Lord, will you answer the following questions? Do you promise to shepherd the flock of God, not under compulsion, but willingly, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being an example to the flock? Do you promise to faithfully guard the flock over which the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer? And do you promise to protect that flock from false teaching, division, and dissension? Do you promise to care for the flock of God not as a hireling or mere professional, but as an under-shepherd of the great shepherd, caring for his sheep as the precious ones for whom he died? Do you, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of this congregation, promise to preach the word in season and out of season? And do you promise to reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience, enduring suffering while remaining sober-minded in all of your preaching and teaching? And will you do the work of an evangelist among those of whom God has given you charge? Do you declare sincerely before God that you believe all the articles and points of doctrine contained in the Sovereign Grace Statement of Faith and fully, that fully agree with the Scriptures? Do you own that statement as the statement and confession of your faith? And do you promise to teach and defend these doctrines in public and in private? Do you promise further that if, the future, if in the future you come to have reservations about any of these doctrines, you will share these reservations with your eldership and the Regional Assembly of Elders. Do you promise to keep a close watch on yourself and to walk humbly before others, to be self-suspicious of your own motives, to invite criticism from others, and to make yourself accountable to those whom God has put in your life? Do you submit without exception to the explicitly mandated practices of the Sovereign Grace Book of Church Order, affirming that form of government is a wise and suitable application of scriptural principles? And do you promise to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel and to show yourself in all respects in action and in speech to be a model of good works, integrity, and dignity so that neither the church nor our Savior Jesus Christ nor the gospel may be brought into reproach. And lastly, do you promise to continually seek the gifts of the Spirit that you might serve God's people, not in the energy of the flesh, but in the power of the Holy Spirit, and to carry out your ministry without fear of man? Amen. Jim, thank you for being here. It's a real joy and privilege to be in partnership together uh, within Sovereign Grace Churches. And uh, just, I think years ago, I met Jim and had the privilege of serving as an intern uh, back at Covenant Fellowship and have learned much from my uh, friend and fellow pastor. Dave, what a joy and privilege to be at this place, at this time, in this momentous occasion. Uh, we met seven years ago. I wasn't a pastor yet, and there was no Risen Hope Church yet. You wanted to launch a bridge course in your home and get connected with this soon-to-be-launched church. Now, seven years later, all we can say is God is faithful. 
God is faithful. And that's what we're banking on as you have just taken those ordination vows, the vow to shepherd, guard, and care for the flock, the vow to preach the word, to teach and protect our statement of faith, to submit to our book of church order, and to keep a close watch over your own life and doctrine. Who is sufficient for these things? Who can do these things? Who is qualified to lead God's people out of the wilderness and into the heavenly city? Well, no one can, not on their own, but God is faithful. God is faithful, always has been and always will be, for he cannot deny himself. He who calls you is faithful, he will surely do it, 1 Thessalonians 5.24. And so as you have taken these vows, as you step into pastoral ministry, you must remember that it is the all-powerful, sovereign creator who is also the all-loving, gracious redeemer. He is the one who is calling you. He is the one who will be with us always, even to the end of the age. He is the one who will supply every need of ours according to his riches of glory in Christ Jesus. So in light of God's faithful character and promises, I give you this charge. For those of you who don't know what a charge is, a charge is an important reminder, an important and serious reminder to Dave of what it means to step into this responsibility and service of pastoral ministry. This charge is taken from Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he has obtained by his own blood. So there'll be a two-part charge that I'll be briefly offering this morning. First charge, first part of the charge is to pay careful attention to yourself. Pay careful attention to yourself. The call to be a pastor is a dangerous calling. We're warned that not many of us should be teachers because we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. We know more and will be held more responsible. We see this all throughout the scriptures that those in leadership with greater power are held to a stricter and a greater standard. I think of Israel, the nation of Israel after coming out of Egypt, out of slavery, they had to wander in the desert for 40 years because they refused to enter the land of Canaan, into the land of promise. But the 10 spies who gave a bad report and discouraged the people of Israel from going into the land, they died by a plague before the Lord. The day they misled God's people was the day they died. As one writer put it, a great man cannot commit a small sin. You and I, as pastors, we're much more likely to sin against greater knowledge and sin with greater hypocrisy. If judgment begins in the household of God, we as pastors will be first in line. Dave, you may preach and teach a 40-minute sermon, but your life is a living sermon. People will learn as much or more by the way you live than what you preach. And what a powerful testimony we heard from Christine this morning about your faithfulness at home and with others, your faithfulness and your character. But as you step into this role of pastoral ministry, I want to charge you, encourage you to be careful not to destroy with your life what you build with your words, to be cautious that you don't destroy with your life what you build with your words. To paraphrase the Puritan pastor, Richard Baxter, make sure you be what you persuade others to be. Make sure you believe what you persuade others to believe. So to pay careful attention to yourself as one of your fellow elders, I charge you to pray continually and rely not on yourself but on God. I charge you to humble yourself under God's mighty hand so that he will lift you up. I charge you to remember that the church ultimately belongs to Jesus Christ who purchased it with his own blood and not to us. The second part of my charge is to pay careful attention to all the flock. To pay careful attention to all the flock. The call to be a pastor is a dangerous calling. Like I said earlier, like the prophet Ezekiel, we're a watchman. A watchman stands guard. A watchman sounds the alarm when there's a disaster coming. And a negligent watchman is found to be just as guilty as those who invade, kill, and destroy because they fail to raise the alarm. 
And pastor, we are called to raise the alarm that God is coming soon. So I charge you to declare the whole counsel of God, to be ready in season and out of season, to preach his truth. I charge you to proclaim the gospel, that the bruised and bloody Savior dying on the cross is the only hope for sinners, that God commands all people everywhere to repent, because there's coming a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness. I charge you to declare these truths boldly and fearlessly, to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified in a world that hates Jesus and the message of the gospel. I charge you to finally shepherd the flock, to care for those who are weak, to search out the lost, and to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So I charge you to pay careful attention to all the flock. And finally, in conclusion, I charge you as you step into this role as pastor to serve the Savior in such a way that on that final and great day, you will hear these words from his lips, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in little. I will entrust you with much. Enter into the joy of your master. Dave and Christine, we're going to now take a moment to lay hands and pray for you. I want to invite Rick uh, to join me in praying and Tim as well to lay hands as we pray for you. I will pray, and then Rick will pray as well. Father, as a giver of all good gifts, thank you for giving Dave to Risen Hope as a pastor, as an ordained elder. Jesus, as the one who has ascended far above the heavens and poured out your Holy Spirit, you give good gifts to your bride, shepherds and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry and for the building up of your church body. And triune God, we just pray that you would fill and empower this man with the Holy Spirit to serve in the strength you provide. We pray that in his ministry, that you would give him the mind of Christ to do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, he would consider others better than himself. We pray that you would help Dave to grasp the, the breadth, the length, the height, the depth, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. And that out of that overflow of knowledge, preach the gospel, preach the good news of what your son has done to save sinners. And as if you have gifted this man with the ability to teach, we pray that you would multiply and expand his gifts for the sake of the church, that you would help him to hold firmly to the trustworthy word as taught, to teach sound doctrine and to rebuke those who contradict it. Father, help Dave to shepherd this flock with excellence by exercising oversight, serving willingly and eagerly, and being an example, knowing that when the chief shepherd appears, he will receive the unfading crown of glory. We pray that you would give Dave the heart of Christ, the heart of the one who came to seek and to save the lost, the heart of the one who left the 99 sheep to seek out the one lost sheep, the heart of standing in the gap in prayer and intercession. We pray that Dave would be a praying pastor, that he would know that ministry is not done by might or by power, but by your Holy Spirit. We pray that you would prompt him daily and frequently to rely on you, to fix his eyes on Jesus, and to be filled with your Holy Spirit. We pray, God, that you uh, you, uh, would just give him the heart to ask and seek and knock, to never grow weary in doing good through prayer, knowing that in due season he will reap if he does not give up. We pray that you would grow and expand his gifts of leadership, uh, prophetic insight and vision in how to steward and manage this church's resources that will bring great glory to your name. We pray that you give him wisdom from above, wisdom that is pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. We pray for a supernatural filling and empowering of the Holy Spirit for the advance of the gospel mission of this local church, that many would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, be saved and brought to maturity in Jesus Christ. 
We pray that you would increase and multiply his musical gifts as well so that Dave would serve even more effectively and fruitfully in leading our worship ministries, all for the glory of your great name. Father, in addition to what Alex prayed, thank you so much for gifting us with this man and his wife for pastoral ministry. Father, we acknowledge that this is not light work, but this is a dangerous calling. But you said in your word, Lord God, but upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So Father, I pray that even as you called him to this ministry, that you would empower him by your spirit, that you would help him to be sober-minded and alert, always watchful for the flock, in sound doctrine, knowing that the enemy creeps in, that he seeks to devour, Lord God. And I just pray that you help him to be sober-minded and be vigilant, Lord God, knowing that the enemy walks around like a roaring lion seeking someone whom he may devour. So, Lord God, would you not only empower him and his wife, Christine, by your spirit, but that you would give him a truckload of grace Help him to remember, Lord God, that this is not his church. This is Christ's church. And that the chief shepherd, Lord God, when he appears, Lord God, that he will give us that crown, Lord. But until then, I pray, Lord God, that you'll help him to be faithful to gospel ministry, to maintain fidelity to the gospel, to serve your people in grace and humility. We pray, Lord God, that as you use him in the gift that you deposited in this manservant, that you would receive all the glory, honor, and praise that in that final day, when he stands before you, you may be able to say to him and to Christine, well done, my good and faithful servants. Well done. We pray this in the mighty and wonderful name of Christ. Amen. Amen. The church say amen. Amen, amen. Amen. I've been called to to charge the congregation. I have a charge to you as the congregation. And in my task to charge you as the congregation, I'm reminded that the scriptures are replete with exhortations and examples of how pastors are to care for the flock of Jesus Christ, the church of a living God. And yet I'm also reminded that the scriptures are also full of exhortations and examples of how the congregation is to care for their pastors. Amen. My brothers and sisters in Christ, as we joyfully welcome Dave Estrinal to our team of pastors, I charge you with Four things we see in scripture of how to care for your pastors. Number one, I charge you to appreciate and honor Dave as one of the elders who co-labor with us in gospel ministry. This should not be hard for us to do when you consider a man like Dave. No doubt he is not perfect. None of us are. But he has a love for Christ and his church and the unchurched. First Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul said in verse 12, we ask you, brothers and sisters, to respect those who labor among you and over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. And as you appreciate and honor Dave, I encourage you to esteem him very highly in love because of the work that God has called him to do. We thank you for jumping in with two feet in this gospel work that God is calling all of us to do as the priesthood of believers. Admonish the idol. Encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. Secondly, I charge you 
to submit to Dave as an elder who obeys and submit to Christ. For the Hebrew writer says, obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Here's the key. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning for that would be of no advantage to you. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. So I encourage you to receive the word of truth from him with meekness and love and to submit to him and do biblical exercise of his leadership. Now this might be a challenge for some when they hear those words, obey and submit. But yet, have you noticed the qualifications for an elder? Titus chapter 1 verse 7 says, For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. That pretty much sums it up. So your leader is called to follow Christ, and he's calling others to follow after him as he follows Christ. There's a certain God-given authority that, that leaders possess in order to lead, to direct, to protect, and to care for God's flock. This is not a picture of tyranny, but rather a picture of servant leadership. One pastor once said that believers are called to cheerfully rank themselves under their leaders because of the serious responsibility to watch over souls. Keep watch implies that leaders are keeping watch and guarding at all times. The Apostle Paul's exhortation to the elders in Ephesus was very clear. He said, be on your guard. Be on guard among yourselves and for all the flock. Acts chapter 20. Leaders stand in a watchtower position, always alert for soul dangers. Church leaders need to be aware of the subtle errors that sneak into the church so that they can warn God's people of potential danger. This type of watchfulness demands tireless effort. The church body is to submit to the leadership for their own spiritual welfare. When this takes place, according to this verse, shepherding is a joy. Number three, I charge you to support Dave as one of your pastors. This means that you promise to supply him with whatever material support he may need to fulfill his ministry among you. First Timothy chapter five verse 17 says, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle, muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain and the laborer deserves his wages. It also says, do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. So in addition to supporting his material needs, it's important to go to your pastor directly in love if you have an issue with your pastor versus starting a gossip train. Do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two to three witnesses. And fourth and final charge, I charge you to remember your pastors and their families. Pastors are not supermen. They hurt like everyone else does. They have normal stressors like everyone else. They are not the head of the church. Christ is the head of his church. And yet pastors are called to imitate Christ and faithfully preach the gospel, teach and practice the whole counsel of God under the spirit of God for the glory of God. Hebrews chapter 13, verse seven through eight reminds us, it says, remember your leaders, those who spoke the word of the Lord to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. You see, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7 is a charge for the church members to remember their leaders. The word in the Greek means to call to mind, to recollect, to be mindful. It is actually in the in present imperative, meaning 
It is a command for the body to constantly fulfill. I like what Paul Tochus said. He said that believers are constantly to call to their leaders to mind. And one of the best ways to fulfill that command is through prayer. Paul pleased with the believers in Thessalonica, pray for us. He said, pray for us. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 25. Perhaps there is no greater way for church members to love their leaders and to remember them than to keep them before the throne of grace, that they may receive grace and find mercy for every need. Amen? Listen, Satan loves to target church leaders because if he can scatter the shepherd, if he can take down the shepherd, he can scatter the sheep. So pray for your shepherds and their wives and their children, but also be generous with words of affirmation, which are so beneficial to the life and health of our congregation. Pastoral ministry is, is, is challenging work, but it's glorious work and it's a joyful work. It requires great self-sacrifice and courage to stand for sound doctrine and faithfully preach the whole counsel of God and to care for God's people week after week, year after year, decade after decade. Believers are called to remember their leaders by means of encouraging words, expressions of, of appreciation for their ministry. So brothers and sisters, I exhort you to stand by Dave in troubles and Christine and to share in his joys. Listen to the word he preaches, hear as he teaches, welcome his pastoral care and honor his calling as he seeks to honor and obey our Lord. But above all, Remember to pray for him and Christine and all of us as your pastors as we lead the church of Christ for the glory of God. Amen. And now, based on that charge. I'm going to lead the members of Risen Hope Church in a four-part vow of our own. May I ask all the members of the church to prepare to express your commitment to Christ and to this brother Dave as he now has been given to this church. Uh, by answering these questions. Number one, do you, the people, the members of Risen Hope Church, fully receive David Esternell as your now ordained pastor? Yes. Do you promise to receive the word of truth from him with meekness and love and to submit to him in the due biblical exercise of his leadership? Do you pledge to supply him with sufficient material support as you are able and to furnish him with whatever you may see needful for the promotion of the gospel and for his comfort among you? And do you promise to encourage him in his labors and to assist his ministry and leadership for your spiritual edification, for the evangelization of the lost, and for the promotion of the glory of God. Amen. Amen. Now we're going to invite Dave to come up and share a few minutes of uh, expressing his love for Christ, his commitment to the church, his gratitude uh, to the Lord and to others. So, Brother Dave, come on up. Okay. Good morning, church. Good morning. It is so good to be gathered here together this morning. Uh, this is my family, my church family. I also welcome visitors, guests. 
my friends and family who are here today. It's so good to be together. Um, On any given Sunday, as part of my responsibilities, I tend to be here pretty early. And it is such a joy to watch the unfolding of the day, the preparation, the anticipation that takes place here on our Lord's Day. It begins with doors being unlocked, technical equipment being turned on, instruments and voices getting ready, sometimes a vacuum cleaner, a light bulb being changed, but then the gathering of the congregation as we are right now. I love this church. I love Risen Hope Church. I love being a part of this church. I brag about this church. I invite people to this church. We are so blessed as a congregation. The, the fact that this congregation is multi-generational, I'm so glad that the children are with us here today. Just what a blessing you are to our family here, to our church. Children, I hope you know what a blessing you are. And I love the fact that we are multi-generational. You know, so I thank God. I just, I love being a part of this church. I can't say it enough that he's drawn us all together here as Risen Hope Church to this local church. We're diverse, we're multi-generational, and together we are worshiping him, loving him, and serving him together. I thank God for the example that you church set in pursuing God, how I'm encouraged by that. I thank you for the example that you set in living out his word. And um, I, I'm just so grateful for that. I see this in, in the life of our church everywhere, everywhere. It's in all the ministries across this church, all the places that you are serving and caring for people and being frontline witnesses for Christ. This world needs Jesus. And you all set a wonderful example of modeling him and sharing him with others. You excel at this. I, um, I'll confess that there was a time in my life where I thought church was just about Sunday. Is it just about Sunday? Is church just about Sunday? What comes after Sunday? Monday. And then there's Tuesday and all the days of the week that we're called to live out our faith every day of the week, every hour of the day, every minute of the hour. And I just, I, I commend you, Risen Hope, for how you do that. It is a great encouragement. So it is with tremendous love for our Savior, with pride in all of you, and with humility and excitement that I welcome becoming an elder today at Risen Hope Church here. I want to take a minute to thank my lovely wife, Christine. She has been such an incredible support. Yes. I thank God for my wife, for her support, for our life and partnership together. And in the um, the last several months of the ordination process, I will say that they're pretty intense. And there was a series of pretty intense exams. And I don't know who was more anxious about my outcomes with the exams, me or Christine. And there's a a bit of a funny story that uh, when I was coming home from one of the exams and I pulled into our driveway, My wife, characteristically, was already outside working in the garden. You will often find her in the garden. And our embrace was so emotional that our neighbors thought that someone had died. They checked in with us later to make sure everything was okay. Our story is a story of God's grace and mercy. As Christine shared earlier, We gave testimony when this church was celebrating two years in 2017. If you were there, you may remember that Christine and I gave testimony to the journey that we had been on, that we've been through some very difficult times and some serious struggles in our marriage. As she said, I I call it the troubles with a capital T. We shared then all about that. And why were we sharing? We were sharing because we had an incredible testimony about God's goodness to us. The difficulty that we were experiencing, he overcame it. God carried us through. And we can say now, just as we testified back in 2017, that he is blessing us, he is strengthening us, and he is sustaining us. He is the source of all goodness in our hearts. 
and the goodness in our marriage. And I thank God for you, Christine. For most of my life, up until my mid-30s, my worldview did not include God at all. I didn't acknowledge God at all. I didn't believe that he existed. That thought, that atheism, permeated every aspect of my thinking, every aspect of my life. And I went about things with a very high degree of arrogance. It's something that I deeply regret. I criticized people of faith. I sought to tear down biblical convictions. I refused to bow my head anywhere, including at funerals. And while I sat in judgment of other people in that way, my life was absolute chaos. Alcoholism, workaholism, a failed first marriage, chasing the idol of money and power, but while chasing the idol of money and power, not being able to manage my own affairs or pay my bills, being in constant financial distress. The Apostle Paul speaks in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 of the natural person. I was the natural person. The Apostle Paul says that the natural person is one who does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. Now, I was reminded of this. I was reminded of, of who I was just a couple weeks ago when we celebrated baptisms here. As a church, we practice believer baptisms, and something that's just so wonderful to see before a person is baptized is their public profession for Christ. And in her testimony a couple weeks ago, Brianna, who's a 15-year-old member of our church, in her testimony that day, she shared about the persecution that she has experienced from friends at school. She talked about being ridiculed for her faith and that fellow students have coldly told her that God is not real. This was Brianna's testimony. And by her testimony, she reminded me that I once was that other person in her story. I was that fellow student, that acquaintance, that friend who would ridicule faith and tell you coldly that God did not exist. How can you find someone that you aren't even looking for? How can you find someone that you don't even think exists? And I thank God for the faithful witness of believers like Brianna in my own life. God calls us to be a witness for him in this world and the lives of others. And then God uses our witness as he pours out his grace and changes hearts and minds to respond to the message of the gospel. Jesus Christ died for our sins and he offers the free gift of salvation, the undeserved and amazing free gift of salvation for those who will believe. And there was testimony in my life, my unbelieving life, there were witnesses, faithful witnesses that, that, that pointed me in that direction. And I wanna name just a few of them. My mother who is here today, as a child I remember my mother reading from the gospels at Christmas time where we would learn about the story of Jesus' birth. I had a high school track coach, a man I respected very much, who just always invited me to his church. And, and there was something about the boldness. He, he was faithful to speak truth in the face of my clear unbelief. Various coworkers who were unshakable in their faith despite my many attacks and challenges. My friend who is here today, who helped me to find God's help to overcome my addiction to alcoholism who quietly shared of his faith and pointed me to the scriptures. And I remember my grandmother nearing death, and she said something that got my attention. She was ready, and she wanted to be with Jesus. And I, I want to give a quick shout out to all you grandmothers out there. I hope you know the power of influence that you have on young hearts and that you may not always get to see when that fruit comes to blossom. I thank God for you grandmothers here today. So when I was a teenager, I developed a fascination with astronomy. 
I loved looking at the night sky. I loved learning everything that I could about the science and the mechanics of what we see up there. I had a dog that I loved very much. And I would take my dog outside sometimes and try to get her to look at the stars. I thought if my dog would only look at the stars, she would enjoy them the way that I enjoyed them. But no amount of trying got my dog's eyes to focus on anything in the sky, all those magnificent objects of the sky. And I think back on that and I think, wasn't I just like my dog when it came to Jesus? I was just like my dog. Gospel witnesses trying to point me to the magnificent Savior of the world, my eyes were not focusing. But I thank God for those witnesses because those witnesses were planting seeds that would come to fruit for God's glory. In his mercy and in his time, he opened my eyes to the truth of the gospel. He healed my rebellion and quieted me by his love. Despite a lifetime of ignorance and arrogance, the Lord saved me. And it was a beautiful June day, just like today in 2005, I just suddenly felt his presence and awareness. It was like a switch being flipped that I was one way and now I have never not been in another. He changed my heart. He wooed me. I think that as an atheist astronomer, I would look at the sky and I think about how big it is. And it would make me have bad thoughts. I would think well, just how random we all are and how meaningless it is. Look how big the universe is. But with a God-centered view, is not the expanse of the universe a testimony to his infinite power, his glory, his majesty? And that in that, that he loves us. He loves us to make us an object of his affection and care. In 2005, when I came to faith, a friend invited me to Covenant Fellowship Church, as Jim was describing earlier when I first started to go there. That's the church that planted Risen Hope 10 years later. I began to attend regularly there, and I went through the course, the bridge course. It was there at the bridge course that my faith was confirmed. My zeal met knowledge. And I've been a part of Sovereign Grace Churches ever since these last 17 years. Christine and I met not long after that. And after a three-year courtship, we were married at Covenant Fellowship. We were just out there for an event a couple weeks ago, and we were reminded that we were in the very room where our wedding reception had been. Now, as, as Jim mentioned, up until just about three years ago, my career was in technology. I was a senior executive for a large global company with 30 years' experience in the tech industry. But I have felt the call towards pastoral ministry, a growing call for some time now. And it was back in 2016 that I began a more formal assessment under Pastor Tim's direction, which ultimately led to me going through the ordination process for our family of churches, the Sovereign Grace family of churches. Now, it's one thing to desire the office of being an elder, but it's another thing entirely for that change to actually happen and what that impact might look like in, in our lives. And this is where the words of the prophet Jeremiah come to mind. Jeremiah chapter 10, 23. That the man, the way of man is not in himself. That it is not in man who walks to direct his steps. That verse, those words, describe my journey to becoming a pastor. Would God confirm my sense of call to pastoral ministry? Or did God want me to remain on the front lines in senior executive roles? Or was God wanting me to serve somewhere else? Was there a second career? These are the questions that Christine and I pondered often. And I, I prayed and asked God for clarity regularly. We sought the counsel of others. And as I worked to complete the ordination process while also actively pursuing a number of different second career ideas, but what became abundantly clear over these years and this is God's timing, is that he was affirming those opening doors to pastoral ministry. God was blessing the path towards ordination 
while closing doors to other explorations. Church, I want to be an elder here at Risen Hope Church. I want to serve him and to shepherd his people. By grace, he has given me a passion to help people to know Jesus and to grow in him and to care for one another. And as much as this is a new chapter for me, it is a new chapter for Christine and I together. Christine, this is an announcement, plans to wind down her landscape design business to some extent. So all you clients out there, get the work orders in quickly. Um, And in doing that and slowing things down, it's so that she can focus herself on ministry and also supporting my role here. So we are excited about this new chapter in our lives. Today, I commit as the Lord would have me to serve as an elder here at Risen Hope Church. I thank God for being ordained. I thank God for being installed here at Risen Hope. Thank you. In honor of this moment, we have a couple things to give to Dave. Um, I'm going to tell you what this is before you open up. This is a Bible. You're going to need one of these, all right? <laughs> all right. It's, but this is a gift from Sovereign Grace Church, especially uh, marked and engraved for you, brother. And then a certificate of or- ordination from Risen Hope Church, Prospect Park, Pennsylvania. This is to certify that David George Esternell, having proved his divine gift and calling and having consecrated himself to this calling according to the word of God, has on this fifth day of June 2022, through the laying on of hands in prayer, been set apart and ordained as a pastor and a minister of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ in Risen Hope Church, Pennsylvania, as affirmed by the Northeast Regional Assembly of Sovereign Grace Churches, in accordance with the provisions of said church, this ordination confers on him the right to preach the word, administer the sacraments of water baptism and the Lord's Supper, lead at funerals and weddings, and feed the flock of God, in witness whereof the undersigned leaders have set their seal. And it's signed by Mark Prater, the Director of Sovereign Grace, by Jared Mellinger, the Regional Leader of Sovereign Grace Churches, and by yours truly, uh, the lead pastor here at Risen Hope. There you are. Congratulations. Thank you. 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 Thank you